0: Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Take a moment, just take a moment, and I'm gonna invite you to uh, close your eyes, if that's comfortable for you, If if you feel safe closing your eyes. Go ahead and close your eyes. Just take an opportunity to relax right where you are. Allow yourself to bring to mind something that is joyful. Something that is joyful for you. Just allow yourself to resonate with whatever that is for you. And now I'm going to tell you all across this room, what I have observed is you, each and every one of you has raised your face value. Because there are so many smiles. There are so many smiles. Do you remember the, you can open your eyes now. <laughs> or not. Do you remember the, well, it was first a play uh, that became a movie called Steel Magnolias. And there's a, the, the, the character Truvi played by Dolly Parton, has a line in there. And she says, smile, it increases your face value. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. And I'll tell you, when uh, I knew that this was the song that Armin was going to sing this week, um, and then I inevitably have Tyler come to me and ask, so what's your talk title going to be? Oh, I have to come up <laughs> with another talk title? Um, I just said, I have no idea. I said, face value, make it up. (laughs) (laughs) Like, make up what you think that means and then put that out to the world and I'll figure it out on my end. But I think it's important that we remember that just the very activity of finding that embodied joy, finding that embodied joy and allowing that to bring the smile to our faces, it is... It is a magnificent expression of our inherent value, which is not contingent upon anything out there. You notice I said, bring to your own mind something that is joyful. I wasn't saying, think about that over there and see if you can derive joy from it. It's, it's all an inside job, all of it. So as I considered, as I continued to consider, because I consider it all the time, I consider what, what am I thinking about? What am I, I going to speak on this week? And I thought I would start with this question. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? I, no, really, I really want to know. What are we doing here? I, oh, say that again? Hanging out with friends. That's great. What are we doing here? Coming home. I heard celebrating. Feeling good. Pot. It's potluck Sunday. So then let me let so so then let me rephrase it perhaps a little bit. What is the goal of unity or new thought? <laughs> it might be potluck. <laughs> Loving, joy, peace. Purpose. You know what? Perfect. Perfect. You've, you've just said the word. You've just said the word. Because oftentimes we approach our lives, we approach things in our lives, and we're taught this, you know, especially if you're in the business world. What's one of the things that you're taught? You have to set goals, right? And so even in Unity of Tucson, a new thought spiritual center, which is a business, by the way, Sometimes we talk in the terms of goals. What do we want to accomplish? What is the thing? How are we going to get there? You know, And I think that it's time to reframe a little bit and let go of the goals because the goals are going to be inevitable if we are truly exploring our purpose. That what comes through is going to be illuminated guideposts which is all goals are, illuminated guideposts, if we are truly living our purpose. Charles Fillmore said this about purpose. Purpose gives joy and zest to living. That's what I think we're doing here. And so what is the difference? I mean, I'm gonna continue to talk a little bit about the difference between a goal and a purpose. A goal is an outer focus on the doing of life. And a purpose Is an inner reason, the being. Why do we be? Why do we be? When I was in, uh, so towards the end of my sabbatical back in June, I went to Southern California for a week and I participated in the ministerial intensives for a group of ministerial candidates. I think there were 13 ministerial candidates. Who are all there to go through their oral panels and be given like we have like like I have a magic wand like you're a minister now, um, <laughs> if they pass their panel. <laughs> I mean it's 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 a big deal. It's a big deal. And uh, while I was there, you know, part of the experience of the intensive is for them to showcase their skill as ministers and what they've been trained to do through the many, many years of training that they have taken to come to this point. It is the final point before they are licensed for the first time in ministry. And one of the constant refrains that came up at this particular intensive, and I've gone to and participated in many intensives, including my own, uh, which was terrifying when I went through that on my own. Um, But this refrain kept coming up And we all shared this. We say, be love. We don't say, do love. We say, be happy. We don't say, do happy. That's the difference between a goal and a purpose. If we are being the love, if we are being the joy, if we are being the light, if we are being the happiness, if we are being these attributes of the divine, which are inherent, then the doing flows forth easefully and effortlessly without us having to try to make it happen. Because oftentimes what, we, what happens is we set these goals and we're like, we've got to make that happen. I guarantee you, it happens if you are rooted in the beingness. And so yeah, that was a constant refrain and I'm still, so there's a musician who was part of that experience, Amy Steinberg was there that week, and we do some of her music here. And uh, I'm at some point, she lives in North Carolina, so at some point, I will invite her to come and join us on a Sunday. Uh, If you know who Amy Steinberg is, you're probably excited about that. If you don't know who Amy Steinberg is, get excited about that. (laughs) Because I'm still waiting for her to write the song, because she was there. We say be happy, not do happy. And I think she could write that song, and it would be brilliant. So how do we be? How do we be in a world full of do? It's going to be one of those Sundays, isn't it? Mary says just show up. Just show up. Show up in what manner? Happy. Cuz I cuz I'll happy, yes, because I'll tell you, I could just show up. Do you want me to show up like this? That could be me showing up. Some days. Some days, seen it. Some days I do show up like that. <laughs> Anyone ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Anyone never wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Okay, because going to say, if you've never woken up on the wrong side of the bed, please join me here and offer the message this week. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. We decide to be happy. It's a decision, and nobody ever thinks, oh, it's like, well, what, what, if it's a decision, how do I make that decision? You know what? You just decide. You just decide. I decide to live my life from the point of view of happiness, to know that I am bringing the happiness to every experience. I'm not deriving the happiness from every experience. But we're taught so frequently to try to drive the happiness to like, you know, squeeze that rock and get the happiness out of it so that we can experience it. What if we decided to be the happiness and just experience it? What a different life that might be. So part of what I wanted to do today is, glasses are coming off, (laughs) is invite us into a reframe with some particular questions questions are these, who made your life easier this week? This past week, just reflect, who made your life easier this week? And whose life did you make easier this week? Who helped you this week? And whom did you help this week? And who made you happy this week? And whom did you make happy this week? I think if you think about it, if you can identify a person who made you happy, remember I said you can't derive it from outside the self. The person that you might say, oh, they made me so happy this week. If you understand it, you're seeing a reflection of yourself in them. That is tapping into something within you, and so the reframe is really this: It's not about you and them. What if we change those concepts of goals and instead focus on the impact we may have in this world? When I was walking the Camino, and it's funny because for months I didn't really talk about it, and now I'm kind of it's it's really starting to resonate, and 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 some of the. Some of the illuminations are coming up for me now. And I thought that's... I had an idea that that might happen. I might have to, you know, sit and reflect on it for a while, the experience of walking 500 miles. When I walked the Camino, one of the aspects of the Camino is, that's your only purpose, is to walk. That's what I decided my only purpose was, was to walk. And so for 34 days, I walked. And I didn't worry about trying to derive an experience out of it. I was being the experience. And what I also discovered is that because there was a community, a common unity of pilgrims joined together in a common purpose, that it wasn't about the goal of getting to Santiago. It was about living the experience moment to moment and finding the impact that we all had on each other and really deepening into a sensation of what that impact meant. I didn't derive happiness out of the experience. I brought my happiness to the experience. And I found that to be true of so many of the pilgrims around me. In that experience. In New Thought, we claim to be students of, you ready for a word, uh, two words that if you really think about it almost means nothing? We claim to be students of spiritual truth. What does spiritual truth mean? I mean, If you really think about it, it's kind of a non-phrase. What does spiritual truth mean? Well, you have to define the constructs of truth and of spirit to understand spiritual truth. And so it's inconsistent what you might hear spiritual truth is. Why is it inconsistent? Because there are as many definitions of spiritual truth as there are people existing in this universe. And I'm not limiting it to just this planet. I don't know what's out there. It's pretty vast. So I'm going to provide a definition without claiming that it is the right definition for all people, but it is right for me at this point of my spiritual journey. Spiritual truth is anything that unlimits me. Spiritual truth is anything that unlimits me. That's how I choose to understand spiritual truth. And yet, what ends up happening is as I try to prove spiritual truth, I begin to create limitations all around myself. And those limitations box me in. And so it is a constant cycle of building up, finding the limitations, breaking them all down again. Building up, finding the limitations, breaking them all down again. You know, the problem with uh, religion is it thinks it has all the answers, which is why I prefer a spiritual center over the concept of a church because of what it brings to mind for many people. In a spiritual center, we are guided in a journey of uncovering of questioning, of wondering, of going on the exploration and knowing that it never ends, and reveling in that journey. And so if you find yourself in limitation today because of a construct that you have built, perhaps consider saying, I'm going to go on an exploration by knocking those walls down and see something else, experience something new. Maybe it's as simple as taking a different route on the way home today starting with simplicity. But we hold on to limitation. We hold on to it. So many of us hold on to it. Why? Well, here's the thing. Limitation makes us feel comfortable. It's like that blanket, right? It keeps us cozy and warm. We wear that limitation like a blanket. And here's the other thing about limitation. If we are limited... It gives us something to overcome, something to prove in this world. Look at the limitations I've had all around me. How do I now overcome those limitations? What if you got rid of all of it? What if you broke down all the barriers? What would happen if we eliminated limitation altogether? Because limitation is nothing more than a construct in mind. That's it. There's nothing out there that is limiting any one of us, except except to the degree that we have adopted the concept of limitation in our own minds. It's the only thing that limits us, our own mind. Oh my gosh, you mean I have to think about this stuff? I have to review and question this stuff? Yes, that's the call. That's why we are here to go on that exploration, each and every one of us, into uncovering what spiritual truth is for each and every one of us. And you don't have to agree with me that spiritual truth is anything that unlimits me. What is spiritual truth for you? Seriously consider what your life would be like without limitation. What would it feel like to know that you were without limits? feels pretty good to me. kind of get excited by that. Like, what a fun life it would be to not have limits, to not have limits of how you think you should present yourself so that people will understand you in a particular way. That's a big limitation for me. I struggle with that all the time. How, how am I being perceived by everyone around me? And there are ways in which, perhaps, I would like to express myself, that I stop myself and say, oh, I can't do that, because then people are going to think something different about me. But that's me buying into other people's opinions and limitations. I don't know really what that means. I don't know that that means I'm going to express any differently right in this moment. But I might. You're all waiting. You're like, what's he going to (laughs) do? I don't know. I'm just on the journey right now. Here's the thing about limitation. It does only one thing. It holds us back. It holds us back from what? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I think, ultimately, the primary thing it holds us back from is living our passion. That's what limitation does. It keeps our dreams at bay. It keeps us from accepting the truth of our inherent power. That's what limitation does. And when we overcome, sometimes, those limitations in mind, and we have this epiphany, and it shows up in the world of form and an experience in an unexpected way, we call it a miracle. We call it a miracle when we experience glimpses of the alternative to the limitations we've placed in our own mind. St. Augustine, who is a fourth-century theologian, St. Augustine suggested this, that miracles are reminders of the bounds imposed on the mind by habit. I'm going to say that again. Miracles are reminders of the bounds imposed on the mind by habit. That means when we see miracles or we experience miracles, it is a reminder to us that we have been limited in our own mind and that we are in a habit of that same limitation because we are perceiving something that is probably quite ordinary or could be considered quite ordinary through the lens of limitation. If we didn't have the limitation, it would seem perfectly ordinary, wouldn't it? He also relates miracles with speed. <laughs> what does that mean? We take for granted, this is the quote, we take for granted the slow miracle by which water in the irrigation of a vineyard becomes wine. It is only when Christ turns water into wine in quick motion that we are amazed. If we start to look around, we see miracles in everything. And if we begin to understand miracles as ordinary, what a life, because that is a life free of limitation. We tend to purposefully separate ourselves from the construct of the miraculous. We look at experiences in the physical world to determine our good and that holds miracles at bay from our experience. We seek without, we seek outside the self rather than within. And this philosophy, you know, the core of this philosophy, the New Thought philosophy, is simple, but boy, We like to really complicate it, don't we? We teach 18,000 different classes. We, you know, we come to service, and I say it 52 different ways every single year. And ultimately, what this philosophy speaks to is this idea. It's done unto you as you believe. That's it. That's the whole philosophy. It is done unto you as you believe. And it's reflected in faith traditions across the board. Buddha is purported to have said, what you think, you become. Do you believe that? Yes. And the rest of you? (laughs) Rooted in that proposition, it is done unto you as you believe, is that who you are, the core of who you are, is the infinite self. The infinite self. There is no aspect of you which is not an expression of the infinite divine power and presence that we call God, and that's just a word. You can call it love, you can call it universal spirit, you can call it harmony, you can call it whatever you want. You are that power, you are that presence, you are the light, you are the life, you are the joy, you are the happiness. We do a lot of convincing ourselves otherwise, don't we? When I was studying to become The spiritual paragon you see before you. I'm joking. (laughs) When I was studying, I had a roommate for a while um, who was also on the path. He was not intending to go all the way through to ministry, but he was in the spiritual study. And we would joke with each other. And we would joke with each other in the frame of... There was a sketch... On Saturday Night Live. And you may or may not know it, but there was a sketch on Saturday Night Live many years ago, and it was Seth Myers and Amy Poehler when they used to do weekend update, and they do a se- segment on weekend update called Really? <laughs> <laughs> and the whole point of the view was the whole point of view of the sketch was to ask that question around some of these things. So my roommate and I would like we would walk around the apartment and you know do, be doing things at home and we would say something along the lines of Really? You think you're not God? You think you're separate? Really? (laughs) And it was a great reminder that even in the mundane experiences of life, we are still wholly divine. And to understand that and live that and express our divinity in every experience, to bring to the experience the understanding of who we are, not try to derive our definition of ourselves from the experience. So, how does this all relate? I go back to my initial question. What are we doing here? You've all answered the question. I think I've answered the question because we're here to be. That's really what it is. We're here to be. To increase our face value by understanding the truth of who we are. Be love. Be light. Be life. Despite the uncertainty and paradoxical experiences or the appearance of uncertainty or paradoxical experiences. Be love. Be light. Be life. We are not defined by our experiences. Release the rigid rules, regulations, and rituals that don't serve and embrace a way of life that invites us to be Rather than do, to be rather than do. Doobie, doobie, do be, do be, do. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. <laughs> so I am going to offer this as homework this week. And if you are new to our community, I give homework every week as a way of making this philosophy practical in our experience. It's lovely to come here on a Sunday and feel good, isn't it? It is. Yes. And I want you to take this goodness into the world and actually put it into practice in your life. So I invite you into this practice this week. Do something, or many things this week, that makes the lives of others easier. To celebrate or honor in some way those who make your life easier ultimately this is the homework be the miracle in someone else's and your own perception hi this is reverend jonathan zenz and i want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my sunday message your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.